0: Welcome to The Diving Pod, and I'm Nate Jimerson. And I'm Heath Calhoun. And I'm Aaron Rooney. And once again, this podcast is brought to you by Sideline
1: Scout Video Replay, the most important tool in diving. Sideline Scout has it all figured out with Poolside Live. Make sure you go check out their website. Snag yourself a Poolside Live package. The video quality, clarity, you know, the pause, rewind, frame by frame, everything is the best in the business. And it's really fun to use the Apple tv as the remote control so again sideline scout check our link tree in our instagram bio for a link directly to the diving part of sideline scout so without further ado i just wanted to say thank you for nate for coming on he's a fellow saint cloud state alum with myself and this guy was actually a national champion so again far better than i could ever achieve but uh Nate, can you take us through your diving journey just from when you were a youngster and then how you ended up at St. Cloud and and beyond?
0: Yeah, so I actually started out as a gymnast. Um, I did that from five until 12. And then we pretty much had to stop doing it. And I just, you know, for a few years, I was like, I'm going to do a little bit of skateboarding, a little bit of snowboarding, a little bit of extreme sports. And then finally, at the age of 15, I got into diving. So I started quite late, to be honest. But because of my background, I excelled really well. Um, I walked on to St. Cloud. I was there on a visit, and they had no idea I was coming. I just got in touch with Hagley, and they're like, "Come down to the pool. Let's, you know, we'll set the divers down here, and we'll, we'll all introduce each other and say hi." And so, I I obviously I I did pretty well when I was there. Um, Yeah, I mean, I, I really loved it. I loved my time there, and that was good for me. I needed. I needed a sport to keep me focused. And that was the main reason why I, I, I stuck with diving beyond high school is cause I knew that I, I needed that focus when I was in college. Cool. Um, so after college, I, I got hit up by uh, Chris Huntsman, who used to coach for uh, USD and uh, he's, he was running a show down in Florida and he asked me, he's like, you're a good diver. You got any plans going on this summer? I'm like, no. He's like, well, I got this show down in Florida, and uh, we need some divers. You're a good diver. Would you like to come do a show? I had no idea what he was talking about. So he explained it a little bit further, and I'm like, "You mean I get I get to dive and get paid?" <laughs> that was the best thing, you know. And and um, I was hooked from there. You know, that was we were in Panama City Beach, Florida. The show was right off the beach. It was perfect location, and the crew that was in that show was a very special crew. You know, everybody was between the ages of like, I think it was 19 and 23. So, I mean, it was an awesome summer and that, that got me hooked on shows. So then, you know, I'm, I had one more year of school. So I went back to school to finish up and then I basically would make my summer season longer and longer. And so I was like searching for different contracts and trying to find different companies. And finally I worked my way up, uh, I did a tour around the U.S. with Dana Kunze and then uh, I did a season with him in Virginia and then I went down to San Antonio and I worked at SeaWorld for just under two years and then after that I did an audition in Vegas and I got uh, connected with Dragon who ran the company out in Macau and then I performed at the House of Dancing Water for seven years. Wow. (laughs) That's crazy. That's the path. That's crazy. So have
1: you? I mean, how's the dance? Have you done that? Uh, that swing? I see all kinds of videos of that swing. That, that looks crazy. Yeah.
0: yeah, swing is my baby. Actually, that, that's my. I wish. I wish Russian swing was a sport because honestly, that's my baby. I love Russian swing. It's so much fun. It's awesome. You get to that's work bad. with a, a team of guys. You know, it's not just. That's the difference about Russian. Uh, Russian swing is compared to diving, is it's just you, you know, with diving. With Russian Swing, you got to work with your buddies behind you. And so you work as a team. That's why I love it. So how high do you end up going at your apex? Is it
1: quite 10 meters? Is it seven? Is it five? How, you know, obviously you're going up and then down into the water, but how high is it once you get up there?
0: The highest, uh, the of Dancing Water, they actually raise the, the Russian Swings about two and a half meters out of the water. And so the highest we'd go there was about 16 meters.
1: Oh my gosh, <laughs> yeah. I wasn't even close. Yeah. Oh yeah. my what?
0: gosh. That's wild. It's high. It's high. It's high. You know, it's about 45, 50 feet, you know.
1: So so do you have to brandy out and you I mean you gotta land feet first, or you still land hands first from that height?
0: Yeah, I I did do some hand first entries. I know some guys that did it. Um I just end up always getting injured, you know i had have wrist issues. Uh, I didn't have any elbow issues, but I had mostly shoulder problems just upon the entry. And and my lines weren't that great, you know, to be honest. And so to take that impact head first, it was just too much for my body. And eventually I was like, I can't do head first from that high. I have to do just feet first.
1: Wow. That's crazy. I had no idea it was that high once you actually,
0: wow. Yeah. Wow. The timing of it is nice because you have you have the time going up, Kind of that little pause in the air before yep. you start going down. And um so it actually replicates high dive, you know, quite quite realistic as far as timing wise, you know. It gives you, you know, at 90 feet, I think it's like two point seven seconds that we have to dive. And I believe Russian swing was like maybe three seconds. Wow,
1: so that's right on it. Um the the other thing I had a question on that Russian swing the timing of your actual jump has to be damn near perfect. Right. I just have like this horror image in my head of, you know, you swing down and you jump off just too early and you're going flying across and you may miss the pool is what's the craziest, like, how, how does that work?
0: Yeah, actually um at that particular show, one of the dives that we did was uh fly cross. I mean, that's pretty common in a lot of shows where you have to leave early and, you know a lot of it's on the pusher he's like he's like, "I'm only going to give you eighty percent because I can't push you more and so you're trusting your life and the other guy, you know and Gosh. of course the timing of of you you can always go a little bit later if you wanted to, but your margin of error is pretty small. Wow, and doing it you know repetitively you're not gonna do it exactly the same every single time right right that's what
2: so so you actually kind of touched on it a little bit of transitioning um you know aaron sent me a i think it was a video or a screenshot of you doing uh red bull cliff diving so how has that transition kind of happened i know when aaron sent it him and i were super stoked to see a d2 diver you know dabbling into the the high dive scene so walk us through how that transitioned and what you're doing with that now
0: yeah so i i'd been wanting to to become a Red Bull cliff diver for quite some time uh i think it was my my second, well, I guess my first year, I kind of learned about it, but didn't look into it too much because I had worked with some people that, um, that had worked with, you know, Orlando Duque, actually. He came down and helped out in that show the year before I worked there for like a week and a half. And so that first year was just basically, okay, what is High Dive? Like, this is a thing. I remember walking in and looking at the tower and and saying, what is this? And then the guy's like, that's the high dive tower. I was like, people jump off that? That's insane. <laughs> that's crazy. And I was like, I'll never do that, you know? And then five weeks later, you know, lo and behold, I'm up there. So that first year, I was just kind of, of doing shows. I kind of just was learning about the sport. And then the second year, I found out that, you know, there's this Red Bull tour. And I thought, well, that's cool. I didn't really think of, you know missing competition all that much. I didn't look into it that much. I just, you know, thought that's a cool experience. And so the only way to, to, to allow me to get into Red Bull was to increase my dives, you know, the difficulty of my dives and to learn new and different dives. And so that first summer I learned quite a bit. Uh, the second season we were doing so much touring and setting up and tearing down that I wasn't able to learn that many dives. And so I had to ask my boss, I'm like, you got to put me on the, on the contract in Virginia. I'm not, I don't want to do the setup and tear down stuff anymore. And so that's where I learned, I think maybe seven, eight different dives that summer. And I sent in a video to Red Bull and this is when they had this Australian qualifier and I had just missed it, you know? Yeah. I think I was probably, you know, two or three guys just bumped off the list that, that wasn't asked to come to that qualifier. And so then I had to wait because uh, after that contract, I went to to SeaWorld San Antonio and they didn't have high dive there. Right. And so everything that I was trying to align next, you know, wanted to work towards that goal of, of getting into Red Bull. So when I when I did the audition for, for uh, the House of Dancing Water, I knew it full well going in that, you know, I'll have access to high dive and that will give me the ability to increase the you know the dives the difficulty of my dives and then I might have a chance to get into Red Bull right um, so the first two years of learning the show is is pretty intense you know there's a lot of development that it takes place getting into a show that's you know of that intensity when you don't have the background prior right. and so I think the first two years was pretty much dedicated to the show then I was able to focus more of my training on on the high diving And uh, I just, I learned enough dives and I, I just kept on with it. And I sent my videos to Red Bull and the first year, I can't remember what year it was. Let me think back. Must've been like 2017, I think, or maybe 2018, 2018. Um, I got invited to go to a training camp at, uh, in Austria at area 47. That's awesome. Wow. Yeah. And that was my first meeting with the, the Red Bull crew. And basically, it was to showcase my dives. And on that, based on that camp, they were like, you know what? This guy is ready. Let's go offer him a wild card. And so they offered me one in Mostar, uh, Bosnia. And so that was my first competition. And I didn't, you know, I didn't expect it that year. I was like, well, I didn't get a, a wild card this year, but I got to go to the camp hopefully next year. And then I think I had like a three week notice, when they're like, "Hey, we got an open spot. You want to come?" And that's how it goes, you know. When you're a wild card for Red Bull, you got to be ready. You and and that's just that's how it is. That that's that's, that's awesome. How um, so so that's the process essentially.
2: That was going to be one of my questions. So you pretty much just send your videos in, and and then there's kind of a process in terms of getting invited to a training camp, getting a wild card, and then. I would imagine once you're kind of in that, it's more just proving yourself at those competitions now, right?
0: Yeah. So now now I have a world ranking. And right, so once right. you do a competition based on how you place and how many competitions you do, and this includes FINA, then they, they created this this um, <clears throat> this recipe, I guess, of, of ranking all the divers throughout the world. And so once you have the world ranking, then they select the divers to do... The competitions based on the world ranking. They're still obviously gonna accept, you know, newcomers and people that you know that that send in videos. But once you have that foot in the door, it's a little bit easier. That's awesome. Sure. Very cool.
1: Cool. So what? Uh, what's the biggest difference do you feel between you know your college diving career on springboard and then not only House of Dancing Water, but now the cliff diving world? What's the biggest difference um, in those in those avenues?
0: Uh, Well, uh, I mean, the obvious danger, you know, (laughs) springboard springboard is dangerous, you know, in itself, but uh, I would say high diving and and doing the shows, it comes with a lot more danger, you know, and so there's a lot more focus needs to come with that as well. And I, I guess, you know, my diving career, I was young, and so I think maturity Played a big role transitioning into shows and high diving now. So I'm a lot more focused with my stuff. Uh, I party a lot when I was in college. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can ask all my teammates and, and all the coaches, and, and they will definitely reiterate. Like I almost got kicked off the team a couple times. <laughs> no joke. No joke. <laughs> That's all. I remember showing up to to like one dual meet. And it was a travel meet and I had slept in, you know, teammates are calling me, coaches calling me, and the night before I was out, ended up bust I I don't know, I I drank too much and ended up busting up my hand. And (laughs) yeah. So I show up with my hand in a splint. (laughs) And I'm, I'm like 20 minutes late. I made the whole team late and coach and coach Briz, coach Briz, and coach Hagley just look at each other and they're like what are we gonna do with this kid <laughs> i mean he's the best diver we have but honestly he can't get his crap together
2: <laughs> so, so what what do you you know that's that's actually a really good question that i would have because i think that's not that's not out of the norm in the diving world you know we hear about yeah. that all the time like what was it for you that helped you kind of mature? Like, was it going to shows and being in a completely different country? What, what was it that helped you kind of make that next step in maturity?
0: Um, I think it's because I, I just started to see myself not achieving my goals, you know? And that reality kind of, you know, hit me. Like, I guess in, in, in college, I was talented enough and we were able to train enough and I was still young, so I could recover faster. Yeah. And I was able to get away with it. But as I got much older, you know, the dreams and the aspirations started to be a bit bigger. And in order to achieve that, you just had to focus more and more and, and fine tune it and, and keep that, you know. And I think I started to see my results slipping away from my dreams. Yeah. And so I just had to tone it down and narrow it in. It, it definitely helped, I think, getting married and having kids, you know, <laughs> there's a lot less time to go out and, and make mistakes when you're at home and taking care of the family instead. So I yeah. think that played a major role as well. How, yeah. how do you, uh how, just fresh on my mind, um, how do
1: you balance the home life and the diving life and what are some strategies that you yourself use I really, really struggle with this, you know, bringing practice home and bringing, you know, meat talk home. Like, Oh, I just wish he would have, you know, done this. It's like, all right, you can leave that at the pool Aaron. it's okay. Turn your brain,
0: <laughs> turn your diet. Yeah. off. What are things that you do? Um, well, I try, I try and give myself like 15 to 20 minutes every single day of just like quiet, chill time, me time, you know, I mean, it's it's hard to do with as busy as I am now. But sometimes it's that's just like the drive in the car, and instead of listening to music or making a phone call, I'll just kind of hit the radio on silence, and uh, that's that's just my chill time. Um, I think that helps a lot as far as keeping the balance long term, <clears throat> keeping keeping me centered and focused. And and other than that, it's just it's just a big juggling act, you know, and knowing that not getting caught up with it the, the instantaneous frustration but knowing what the goal is long term and keeping that in mind you know and repetitively telling yourself that okay this is the goal this is the goal you know don't lose sight of it <laughs> and That's I awesome. think that yeah. helps me keep the life balance I would I would love to train more but right now I'm just I'm just not able to you know yeah. um, I know that plays plays a factor in in my performance right now but hopefully I'll set up the right, you know, and the necessary steps so that in the future I, I might have the opportunity to still train a little bit more. Sure. That's awesome.
2: Um, you know, kind of talking about coaching a little bit, have you ever considered making that transition from athlete to coach? Is that something you've been interested in thought about where was that ever crossing your mind?
0: Yeah. um, it's, it's, it's really interesting that you asked me that question because I've, I've pretty much coached. Almost my entire life, I would say. I started coaching when I was fifteen. Oh wow! Yeah, uh, I I started coaching gymnastics when I was fifteen. So I, it, it, I haven't. It's really funny because I haven't coached diving as much as I have, gymnastics, and diving really is my expertise, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um. So, I coached my fifth year in college. I coached Division three diving. And then I would say that the entire time that we were at the house of dancing water, we all coached, coached each other, right? Like our, our house diver troop was really, really close knit. And so we were always helping each other. We had really good good coaches. We had a really good dynamic. And so even though I wasn't an official coach, I right. still learned a lot along the way. And right now I'm coaching gymnastics. Nice. Yeah, nice. that's awesome. <sighs> where where are you coaching at? So I'm the I'm the current rec director at Classic Gymnastics. OK, and they got they have four different locations in Minnesota. Yep. Very nice. That's that's cool. Yeah.
1: Minnesota Gymnastics has had uh, a lot of success in recent years. Yeah. I mean, most recently, yeah. Suni Lee, I just think of her like, yeah, she's she's Minnesota. Now she's down at Auburn and she's absolutely killing it. Uh, so it's, it's pretty cool. Our, our section gymnastics meet was just this weekend yesterday. Uh, and we had our conference swim meet at the same location. So I'm like going to the gym, watching them coming back to the pool, making sure I'm not missing diving and then come, Yeah. So that was, yeah. was pretty cool. The, the world's definitely aligned, um, in many ways.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're able to transfer over a lot of skills, you know, going from gymnastics, into diving there's, I can't tell you how many divers used to be gymnasts. You can, you can usually tell by the way they twist. Yeah, Yeah.
1: (laughs) that's true. All right. So going back to, um, diving and competitions, what's your mindset going into a big competition, like nationals and like, even those shows that you would do, what, what's, how do you turn your brain on and what are things that you do to get in the zone?
0: Okay. Yeah. So the interesting part is I don't get as nervous during shows as I do for the competitions. So I always try to go in with a mindset that number one, have as much fun as I can, because if I'm having fun, I will perform well. And that's, that's just how it goes. It, it, it translates directly for me. That's the way it's always been uh, for competitions. I've never looked at scores. I don't look at places the entire time i just literally quite quite i I critique my own diving in my own performance and um i take i try to take every dive as a learning experience regardless of how it goes and you know i just try and keep myself as relaxed as possible and just keep it light and have as much fun as possible obviously with the big competition that can be difficult because a lot of the, you know, you're dealing with the nerves and the pressure, you know, because you do, you do want to perform well. And so I think it's finding the balance between all of that and keeping yourself kind of like in your Zen, regardless of the pressure. Yeah. I yeah. think
2: so. That makes a lot do, of sense.
1: The other thing too, do you think this is just me off the top of my head, do you think the reason you're less nervous for those big shows is because you have a team around you and, and more divers with you, or is it just a totally different
0: atmosphere? I don't know. I think it's, I think it's cause I've done so many shows. Probably, right. you know, right. I did over 2000 shows in Macau, <sighs> oh, it, my Oh my word. It, yeah. And I mean, it, it, was the same show. So obviously going into a new show, you know, you're going to have, you're going to be a bit more nervous, but I think at the same time, if you do, if you make a mistake in a show, like a small mistake, obviously not a big one, um, we all just kind of laugh it off, you know. Yeah. We all kind of poke fun. It's like it, it becomes like a, a comic point, you know. Yeah. Whereas <clears throat> with the competitions, there's, I mean, your your performance is displayed. It's right there on the on the scoreboard, you know. So it's like boom, oh, you that didn't go well, and it's not it's not as light, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure, I sure. think, I think that's why, I think it's why I'm a bit more relaxed in the, in the show atmosphere.
2: Cool. Yeah. I just, I just like the fact that you're like, I went into every meet with the goal to have fun. Cause I explained that to like my athletes and Aaron and I've talked about this before. And it's like, a lot of people just don't understand that. Like, I would always say my two roles where I was going to have as much fun as I can. I was going to make sure my coach was happy. If those two things happened, I probably did pretty well. So I yep. can relate really, really well to, to you saying, I just want to have fun. Um, yeah. you know, that's that, the whole and, point. Yeah. You know? like, yeah. Like exactly. So, um, you know, I think that does kind of lead. I'm real curious to hear your answer here is how did you overcome fears as a springboard diver? And then now transitioning that into shows in Red Bull, you know, those fears have to be vastly different.
0: Yeah. Um, well, I don't think so. I think it, I think it's the same process, right. You know, um, the biggest way that I allow myself to get over fear is breaking things down, you know, if you look at them, I don't know, let's say you're looking at a mountain and you're looking up at it, it. It looks huge. It looks taunting, you know? I mean, it just looks absolutely scary. Right. But once you start slowly taking those steps there, it becomes less and less daunting. Um, so breaking the dives down and, and also visualizing, you know, Doing that and knowing the amount of training that you put in prior has led you to that point and just absolutely putting full trust in yourself, you know? And I think that's the biggest part is having complete trust in yourself with the ability to do it right. Um, I mean, that's the whole point of training. So it's like, why would you spend so many hours or so many months or so many years So then get to the point and doubt yourself, you know, it's like, you just have to remind yourself that you have done the training, you know, you deserve to be there and uh, don't overthink it. Let your body do what it knows how to do. Yeah, And that's, that's, I mean, I take that same approach and um, I guess with high diving, it's a little bit more interesting because you have, typically you have this long hike to the high dive and it's really interesting because as you're you're walking up those steps your heart rate increases you know not because of the physical activity but because the adrenaline starting to kick in and as it's starting to kick in you have all these thoughts you're like why am i doing this you know, what the hell am i doing <laughs> Who does these things? <laughs> oh, wait, I do. Okay, I'm still going up. Why Why am I still taking steps towards this platform? You know, this is insane. Literally, these are the things that are going through my head. Um, But I, I have to remind myself, I'm like, you love this. You absolutely love this. You love doing this. And the second, the funny part is when, when you're standing on the edge of 27 meters, it's terrifying. And the second... I leave the platform and I get in the air is the moment that I actually feel comfortable. So knowing to take that, that, that leap of faith, you know, you know, that, or that, that leap yeah. of faith, you know, yeah. <laughs> is the, um, I think just trusting yourself to do that, take that big leap, you know, and, and um, yeah.
2: I really, on. I really enjoyed that. Uh, you kind of just took us on a walk as you go up and it hearing you talk about it, it I like watching boxing and it made me think of what Mike Tyson used to say. He's like, as I walk to the the uh the ring, I'm terrified. And it's like as you go, you your confidence kind of goes. But it's like once you actually have to do the action, it's like that's where I'm comfortable and let's go have fun. Yeah. So I, I really yeah. like that. That was that was pretty cool. And I really liked what you said about you've put these months, days, hours, years into training. Why doubt yourself when you get to the part that you trained for. So I think that's like a really, really great thing. People can take away.
1: Absolutely. Well, and, and another thing to relate it to, I really like watching the Netflix show cheer with Navarro college and they have a amazing cheer team. And it's seriously, it's this whole journey of they work their butt off for so long and they get one moment, you get one performance, you get, here it is, there's bright lights. You're on a really cool stage. You're at nationals. This is it. Like, what are you going to do? And it's really cool to watch everybody essentially just get really nervous, handle those nerves. But then once the music starts, it's like, Oh, we're good. This game time. We've been doing this for the last month, like X amount of months. We're good. We're going to be fine. And, I don't know why I just love that show, but it's, it's just such a huge buildup to one performance. And it's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's very similar. It sounds very similar. And you know, it's really cool to, to kind of see the whole background behind the coaches and the athletes and what's going through all their heads and the camaraderie on the teams. It's, it's, it's it's cool. I I nerd out over some
0: weird shows. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely, man. But It's cool to see that because it's, it's an unusual dynamic. You know, it's, you don't get to see that every day. And I yeah. think, it, you know, it's very special.
1: For sure. So in your diving career, who are some of those people that you look up to either in the past or now or that kind of thing?
0: Um, yeah, I guess, I mean, one of them is, is definitely Greg Luganis. Uh I've had the chance to, to meet with them and work with them and, and, Gone to some of his clinics, and he's given us so so much mental tips, you know. And he has the experience, um, so he's definitely someone that I look up to. Um, in the past, man, there's so many. Um, I mean, the, the USA high divers Stephen Labou um, David Couture Andy Jones, mm. those guys. I, I definitely look up to them. And, you know, they've paved the way for U.S. and high diving. And, and the careers that they've made from it is really is just outstanding. Um, and they're, they're freaking cool guys, man. You know, they really when – when I came on the scene, they just really welcomed uh, me cool. with open arms. And, and they're always there to help and, and, yeah, I mean, to support you and everything. They're really good guys. Um, my good friend, Kat, um, Catlin <clears throat> Preda, I look up to him. He's one of my good buddies. Um, All, I mean, like all my coaches in House of Dancing Water, Emerson, um, Amy, uh, Gene. Yeah, those guys. I look up to them because I think they shaped me, you know, into this more mature diver. And not just diver, but a person as a whole. I think they've really helped me along the way and supported me, you know, throughout my challenges and when I was in Macau. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's, Very there's good. the list goes on. Honestly, yeah. there's, there's so many people that I like that I look up to um, my buddy, Manny, Manny Mendez. He, when I first started getting into shows, he, you know, he was a mentor to me and, and I look up to him and, and he's kept me safe. I always call him, you know, if I need some sort of advice on something, I give him a call every once in a while. <laughs> yeah that's awesome yeah you know
2: so speaking of mentors um you know so i just took over a new position here and i'm really curious to hear your your answer for this what was it like as an athlete having tracy Torgensen, who we just interviewed last week what was it like having a new coach for your senior year how was that transition for you um and what was it like
0: okay that's awesome i didn't know you guys talked about that that's cool <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know? yeah um that was that was an interesting transition. That was I think for me personally it was difficult. Um I was I was happy with Nate Brisley, you know. I was happy with the coach that I had. And I understood why he needed to step away. I understand it a little bit a little bit more now that I'm you know I'm older. Um but to have Tracy step in, she did an amazing job. Um, I definitely think I was a challenge for her because I I don't think at the time i wasn't as open as i should have been to her coaching
2: nice.
0: and i mean that's one that's one of the things that i re- i regret in my senior year is that i wish i would have been more open to her coaching because she is a great coach and she's got you know she's got really good eyes she's got really good advice and she knows how to get people you know motivated and inspired and those are the big things that you need as an athlete, you know, those two key ingredients, they, they basically form the foundation of where you're going to go. Yeah. And so she definitely has that ability. And I feel like I shorted myself by not being open, but at the same time, I shorted her at the same time. But I think yeah. it's funny because we've never really talked about it, but I think her and I have this nonverbal understanding of it. You know, you can usually look in someone's eyes and, and, and be able to read and, and pick up certain things. But honestly, she, I I definitely opened up more towards the end of the season and I was really thankful and grateful for what she was able to do my senior year. Yeah. You'll you'll have to listen back to that episode. It was just last week. It was super fun to, to listen to her
1: because she was coming into this team with all seniors and on her, you know, in her experience, it was okay. I got to, you know, take care of these seniors, but there's nobody else after them. So I have to recruit and how are we going to do that when everybody's leaving? And so it was, it was cool to, to hear her side of that. And then also, you know, fun to, fun to hear that there was some growing pains and struggles and eventually, you know, throughout the season, you kind of work it out and you figure it out. But uh, yeah, Yeah. always fun to to hear that. I was on the tail end of Tracy's St. Cloud career. Um, I had her for my first two years and yeah, I mean, nothing, nothing but good things. She's, she's been a great mentor to me my whole life.
0: Awesome. Awesome. See, that's good to hear. I love that.
1: Yeah. Really yeah. Cool.
0: So take us through your favorite
1: diving memory. If you got to pick one, whether it's one event or one dive or whatever, a diving specific memory.
0: My favorite one. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. That is, how do I choose one? It's hard to pick <laughs> one. It's, it's hard to pick yeah. one. <laughs> I guess, I, I think it would probably be the first high dive I did when I was in, in Mostar in Bosnia and Herzegovina. Um I just remember walking through that town and it's a beautiful old town. You got you got the old cobblestone bridge that was that was you know been rebuilt but with as much of its original material as possible and you have to walk through the crowd. You're walking, you're literally just walking through the crowd in your speedo barefoot. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's so cool because the fans and the people there, they're just huge diving fanatics. You know, they absolutely love the sport of diving. And that first jump, looking down because you're as high as the buildings, you're going into this freezing cold river that's, you know, like, Green, blue, crystal clear. And I mean it's just the scenery is absolutely beautiful. But because you're going into a valley, it's just like the the visual of it is just terrifying. It makes it look way higher than it is. <laughs> um and I just I remember that that first jump vividly, triple half is what I did. And the funny part was like of Dancing Water, it was 24 meters. There it was 27. And so I remember throwing that dive and I was cooking. I was going too fast. So I came out, I was I'm like arms up. I'm throwing up the air brakes. <laughs> and I think every single dive I did on that first training was slightly over. And let me tell you, I was in pain the next day. <laughs> I was in pain, man. <laughs>
2: that's so that's so cool. Yeah. Um I so- think that's yeah. None that's a good one. Memories. Um, so now transitioning from favorite to give us like a crazy diving story from at some point in your career. And, and I'm, I feel like your career has to have some pretty wild ones.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> Aaron's Aaron's <laughs>
2: here shaking his head. Like, yeah, come on, you know, um, <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. <laughs>
0: uh, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you two different ones. Actually. Perfect. Um, yes. Two different countries. The first story I'll tell you was was in Thailand. Um, So I did a show in Thailand. I I can hardly say I did a show because I think we did like 30 shows total. And we probably had, and I was there for like, I don't know, good three, four months. And we probably had maybe a thousand people show up to all of the shows. Yeah, it wasn't working. That show just, it didn't work. For a number of reasons, I won't go into details about that. It just didn't work. But the setup of it was so dodgy. You know, I get there and we're like, "You're gonna do night dives." I was like, "What?" So we're doing shows at like eight p.m., ten p.m., midnight, and I think two what? on a weekend. Yeah, I did? We're because it's just we were in Pattaya, Thailand. It was it, this is just a party town, <laughs> and we're on you know Sway Sixteen Walking Street. There's spotlights, not def- definitely not enough lights on the pool or on the top. Oh. The pool was not dug out correctly, you know. So we're going into a tank, and it's typically supposed to be uh, four, no, three meters, so 10 feet deep. And we're jumping from about 65 feet in, into 10 feet, which is, oh. which is normal, you know, normal for a portable set. But the thing is, they didn't dig the hole correctly, so it wasn't ten feet deep in, throughout the entire pool. It was ten feet oh. deep, literally in the center, in the middle. <laughs> Other than that, it was it was sloping up. It was like jagged rocks. It was, it was just crazy. And um, so we're doing one of the first shows, and I think it was I think it was the second or third show, and it was, it wasn't my high dive. My high dive was supposed to be the next show, and the guy that was supposed to do the high dive, he just bailed out. He was like, Nope, I'm not going to do it. So I go, okay, (laughs) I'll do it. I'll step up. I'll do it. So I get up there and my buddy, Manny, who, you know, who was one of my mentors always told me before you climb over that perch to jump off of, always check it. And so I checked it and I could see that the perch was on a rung and one of the, one of the sides wasn't unwelded it wasn't even welded on <laughs> oh no so imagine you know if i'm jumping from this that platform's gonna go sideways yeah i'm going out of the pool oh. absolutely out of the pool and so i take the perch off and i move it up two rungs so one that was better welded <laughs> <laughs> oh, i stand man. up and i jump off and i do the dive that is for sure, one of the craziest stories. Well, yeah.
1: and you're still alive today. I would. I know. I'm, don't I know. sign me up for that. No. <laughs> what?
0: <clears throat> yeah, absolutely nuts. Absolutely crazy. I imagine mean, imagine getting up.
1: up imagine getting up that high and just being yeah. like, "Nah, this isn't gonna work from here. I I gotta re- <laughs> I gotta just jerry rig this thing to make make sure it's safe that it'll hold my weight. <laughs> oh, yeah. What? Man. Oh my gosh.
0: I know. You know, and I was, back when I was young, i do, I do stupid st- stupid things, you know? <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> Absolutely crazy. I didn't tell my mom that story for a good year or two. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think that was definitely one of the scariest moments. And then more recently, this past year, I went to competition, a competition in, in Russia. It was in Moscow. And so, really, first, first time in Russia, Every, you know, I loved it. The whole experience was freaking awesome. I would, I would go back and do a competition in Russia again, even considering what I'm about to explain. Oh, gosh.
2: Oh, gosh. <laughs> so,
0: <laughs> we went there, and I look at the setup. Everything looks good. It's the day of competition, and they're still drudging because we're jumping into a channel. And typically the channel, I think, is only like three, four feet deep. Yeah. And so they're drudging, they're drudging, and I'm thinking, is this gonna be ready in time for the competition? Because <laughs> we're supposed to we're supposed to start in like two hours. And they're drudging, hour goes by. I'm like, all right, I guess we won't be warming up today. <laughs> and so the interesting part is there was a miscommunication. They drudged the hole six meters out from the platform and jumping from 27 you don't need six meters away from the platform (laughs) because we're, we're jumping up and so basically we changed the competition format internally it became an exhibition and from the outside it looked like a competition and then we 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 you had the option to dive or not dive and i'm sitting there thinking i'm thinking well i want i would like to do the competition and, you know I, I would feel bad honestly for the sponsors with the setup that they had because it was awesome we had a really nice green room break room we had a sauna you know it was it was cush everything was really really nice they just made this tiny mistake you know one one key detail <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and so I had to jump from 27 meters and launch myself out six meters to get to the yeah. point. Yeah. And that, I mean, that next to, that reminded me of that Thailand situation. You know, I haven't really been that terrified on high dive for a very, <laughs> very long time. So oh. what
1: uh, what's like the standard distance away that you need? What is it like two, three meters? What, how far, how far away was it?
0: Yeah, actually, Red Bull just did a study on this, and I I, I want to say it's like between two and four meters. Okay, it's, okay. It's like pretty much, I think two and a half actually is the point where most wow. divers go in.
1: That would make sense. And when you said six, I'm like that seems a little far out.
0: But so it's you, super far. I, I can't like put actually, it into perspective. Like I literally just threw myself out as far (laughs) as I could go. And it's like, and then you're like, okay, how am I going to control this dive in the air? Because it's just got so much rotation, you know? And and that's one thing I always struggle with is like control and easy dives. Like the difficult dives are easier for me because I like, I like power and speed. And, you know, I had never really done, I hadn't done double half from 27 meters I think that like ever, you know, and so I I had to do a new dive (laughs) and I had to launch myself and throw it out and just figure it out in the air. So what's the difference there? You know,
1: I think about springboard, if you leave at a dramatic angle going out to enter the water nicely, you kind of have to go in short, but obviously from 27 meters, you're falling so fast that you
0: still have to go
1: in vertical or do you have to go in a little short
0: yeah you, you should go in a, a little short and yeah you, you either scoop it fast or yep. you just take it straight down at the angle wow
1: so that's you, just another element of jumping six meters out that's like yeah oh my gosh I mean <laughs> I, I
0: I did two jumps from there and the first one I just took straight to my ass Honestly, yeah. 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 I went feet first and I piked as fast as I could and I just had a huge rooster tail. Yeah, I didn't care about my score. I was like, I just want to be safe.
2: <laughs> yeah. You're just you're just reinforcing Aaron's belief that he's never jumping off 27 no, meters.
0: No, it's
1: not. <laughs> <laughs> it's no chance. But the funny is you
0: know, after that experience, I was like, oh man, when we have like a really nice 27 meter setup, this will be easy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, oh, Dude, wow. Wild. Have you so wild. have you
1: have you seen or been out to the Utah facility?
0: Yeah, yeah. I was I was able to spend like six weeks there last summer. Nice. Oh wow.
1: How was yeah. that? Is I mean, it looks awesome.
0: That was awesome. Yeah. That that for me, that Utah facility is such a good place to train because it gives you this crazy unique environment. Because you know when you're in the mountains, the weather changes like that, and the wind that comes. Through that mountain could just pick up in an instant, Mm -hmm. and it's beautiful. It's sunny. It's hot during the day, and the water's freezing. So all of those elements, you know, they from and and plus you're at elevation, man. You're at like I think it's like that one was like almost seven thousand feet above sea level. Oh wow! Yeah, it is high, and. um all those elements really, I think, create the perfect training place. That's Awesome, yeah. that's
1: awesome. that's really cool. We had we had Owen on, and he was talking about the facility and obviously his experience in Red Bull cliff diving it was it was pretty cool to to listen to him and pick his brain and hopefully we can have his soon to be wife Ellie on there. Um, yeah,
0: yeah, there. They're a power couple, those
1: two. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah for, for real.
0: Diving, they are awesome. They really are. I, I saw the FINA
1: awards and, like, they're both taking home all kinds of stuff. I'm like, these guys are just, it's unbelievable. And they're in yeah. Minnesota. They're, like, it's yeah, really yeah. cool. No,
0: I know, right? Yep, yep. <laughs> That's the crazy part. I'm like, what are you doing? When I found out they're in Minnesota, I was like, what are you doing in my home ground, you know? <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it's crazy. So unique. Our- so cool. So we're gonna get into our signature questions here. The first one I always ask is, "What's your favorite failure?" Uh, we're kind of rewording this now to, "What's your be- your best opportunity for growth?" Something that just didn't go well that you learned from and uh, got better.
0: Okay. Um, you mind? Can we get back to that one? Let me think about yeah, that. Yeah, for sure. I've, I've had that question marinated in my brain for a little bit, and I just gotta think on that one a little longer. Yeah, what? no worries. <laughs>
1: no worries. Um, so then the next one that I have for you is what can we do to grow the sport of diving? That's just so open-ended. I realize that's just, I mean, you can go anywhere with that, whether it's springboard or high dive or more access and information out about shows. What do you, how would you answer that question? How can we grow the sport
0: of diving? I think, I think the best way to grow the sport of diving is to make the experience more than just a sport, you know, because there's so much growth as an athlete and as a diver that you do personally, because you're confronted, you're having to face these, these challenges head on. And I think by promoting these experiences and keeping the environment around the sport that shows growth, not just in the sport, but as a personal growth. I think that's the best way to promote the, the sport of diving, honestly. Because when people share their stories and they and they, you know, and they tell others how much how much of an impact it made on their life and how much of a positive impact it made, you know, as far as growing as a person and being able to deal with adversity and challenges in the future. I think by sharing those through word of mouth, People would be psyched and jacked to get their their you know, their kid or so or you know or just try diving, as a whole. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean what you guys are doing is great. This is awesome. (laughs) This is absolutely, a way to to grow the sport.
1: It's, it's for sure been fun you know every once in a while i'll be at a meet i'm like hey you guys you should check out the diving pod." it's, it's i i kind of brag a little i'm like it's the number one diving podcast in the world <laughs> and
2: they're,
1: like, they're like wait really i'm like yeah but it's kind of the only one so
2: <laughs> well but it's it's bizarre too because we did and i i told aaron this two weeks ago i said i uh I had been doing a bunch of interviews with sports psychologists, just trying to be a better coach for my athletes. And I was talking to the Penn state sports psychologists and they're like, Oh, you should listen to this podcast. These two guys interviewed a sports psychologist. It's called the diving pod. I go, Oh, that's my podcast with my best friend, Aaron. (laughs) And they're like, what? And I'm like, yeah. And and so it was like, Oh my goodness. Like somehow this podcast has made its way back to me to being recommended to me, even though we did it. And that is so cool. But it's like, it's neat to see that it's kind of like not just in diving. Like I had these the sports psychologists recommend it to me. So that was really cool. Um, you know, so at, whether it's as an athlete or as a coach, whether it's from coaching gymnastics, what are some drills we can do with our athletes uh, that you like?
0: Um, Like drills as far as diving drills. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. What's your favorite drill?
0: My favorite drill. I like, I love dry land stuff, honestly. Um, I I really feel like you can just you don't always have to focus in the pool, you know. Mm-hmm. And there's so much stuff that you can do in dry land mm-hmm. that it, it transfers and translates over to the pool. Yeah. Um, I think my favorite drill is our, our twisting drills. To be honest, okay. and I, I, I I'm a twister. I love doing twists you know. And um, I think uh. Like one that I do in in at a gymnastics place is uh is to stand by the the edge of the pit and you kind of kick swing one leg up to get yourself horizontal and then you just wrap and twist into the pit and then you do the same thing on the trampoline, bouncing on your back, shooting your feet up to the ceiling, wrapping in the twist, working on you know singles, doubles, and triples doing that. I like it, yeah, so I think that's probably my my favorite drill we did that a ton at saint cloud that was super fun (laughs) yeah yeah right i mean it's fun it's enjoyable
2: that's Mike. every time my kids uh my athletes we go to the dry land room like all right i got a new drill for you they're like crap why someone on the podcast give them a dry land drill
0: but most (laughs) of them they
2: like honestly every drill that we've been given i have used and it has helped at least one of my athletes and it's like that's great like i hope people that listen do the same thing i like Try it. If it doesn't work for one kid, it might work for another. So I, I'm excited. Um, so, next one is what is the best advice you've either been given or received? And it, it could be life advice, it could be athletic advice, whatever you want to answer with it.
0: Uh, okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you two for this one as well. Um, the first one if the feeling moves you, let it groove you. <laughs> and, I like it. <laughs> I love that. Right. that. That's a quote from my. Um, one of my mentors when i when when i was down in panama city beach florida carl copper um he passed away but he he's an old school high diver that helped me out in my first season and it was funny cuz at the time he was a a maintenance person at the park and he would stop what he was what he was doing he would stand in the parking lot and i could see him and he would watch my high dive Every that's single so time, cool. and then at the end of the day, we'd all go back to his place, and he would he would give me coaching tips and and all that stuff, and and feed me some of his uh, his wisdom, you know. And so that was one of his favorite quotes: "If it, if you know if the feeling moves you, let it groove you. If it don't, I like it won't, you know, I like and that, that, and that's, that's really the way cool. it is. You yep. know, if if you're feeling it, do it. You know, yep. trust yourself. And if you're not feeling it, don't push yourself to do it because you'll probably end up getting hurt. <laughs> yep."
2: Yeah. You know, oh, that I love that one. What's all right? I got to hear the next one too. I'm excited. And then the other
0: one is um, it's it, it was a quote that my my friend had said, um, Cat Catelyn, he said, "Relish in the moments. Relish in the moments of success." And I think that's that's something that I hadn't really thought of or done until until after he kind of said the, this thing to me. Cause we spend so much time training and building up to the event. And then when you do get to this competition and you do succeed, you know, it almost feels like it's over. Yeah. And in the instantaneous moment of success, you just really have to sit and let that moment sink in and, and relish in that moment of success because that instantaneous moment will be gone very quickly. And so if you don't take that, that moment to really appreciate all the work that you've done before, then I think you're missing out on half of it. You know, yeah.
1: that that actually brings me to two things that just happened in the sports book. I'm a huge Olympics fan and I've been watching the Olympics and the Winter Olympics and nobody can forget Sean White, right? He created yeah. this whole half pipe scene. Like he's the reason this sport is where it is. Not only was he would he relish in his success you know you see the excitement after a really good score you see how many times he was successful but this year when he did end up falling on his last run it was like he you could tell he was letting that moment sink in and everybody watching felt it it was like this is unbelievable we love this we love you sean yeah that was fun and then Another one just yesterday was Nick Baumgartner with the snow cross racer. He finally got a gold medalist with Lindsay Jacob Ellis and mm-hmm. you know, all of that time, all that hard work, I think he's close to, if not 40 years old, Oh wow! it's like, he's just been grinding his whole life and finally to get it done. It's just like, Oh yes, yes. It's, it's cool. Like you said, not many people when you're hardcore dedicated relish in that moment, yeah, But it's so important, and it's so cool to
0: watch because you know what they put into it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Exactly. That's it, man.
2: I, I, those might be two of my favorite pieces of uh, advice I've heard on the podcast in quite a while. So I, I wrote both <laughs> of them down. So I'm excited. Um, and then my last, qu- my last question is, who, do you, who would you want us to interview next?
0: Who would I want you to interview next? I think you should interview Aaron Randall's. <laughs> now
1: he- help me out uh, who is Aaron Randles and I'm excited already because I don't know who this person is
0: yeah Aaron Randles is a guy that I worked with in Macau at the House of Dancing Water he I, he's probably the most likable person I've ever met he is awesome he is so much fun Um, he's a high diver he's, he didn't do any Red Bull competitions but He's unique. I mean, he's honestly a unique person. He is very, very down to earth. He's always there to. He's, he's a listening ear. And I think those are rare people, you know, in this world. Uh, he's just a good guy, down to earth, good guy, high diver. And I mean, he still dies. He lives, he lives down in Mexico now and so he every once in a while he'll go find some cenotes and he'll go jump off <laughs> in some cenotes and and take care of his family and, and he's just a cool guy i definitely think you should interview him awesome okay. awesome well cycling back
1: i know you had a little yeah. bit more time to think yeah, favorite yeah. failure or opportunity for growth
0: what do you have for us <clears throat> favorite failure or opportunity for growth i think um i I think my favorite opportunity for growth was probably the seven years that i spent in macau and it wasn't a failure you know i mean there were failures within my seven years i I think um yeah it's uh, it's just interesting going going to a different country and having to learn to adjust you know to the environment to the governing system the way things operate there were so many failures in that (laughs) in that process you know and and just learning curves you know and and i think that um, experience honestly gave me the most growth and it's completely shifted and changed my perspective about life its purpose um what we do and how we do things Yeah, I I really think so. I think if everybody has the opportunity, they should try and spend some time visiting and and living in another country. Yeah, that's awesome. very cool. I like that. You're going to make a ton of mistakes along the way. And you're just going (laughs) to learn so much. Right? Well, that's,
1: that's kind of everything. That's exactly why I asked that question. Because, you know, mistakes is essentially learn, they they lead to growth uh, in, in every sense of the way. So you know, when you, when you do things correctly and perfectly, you're not really learning a whole lot. You just, you know, you rinse and repeat. You know, you wake up, you brush your teeth. Well, if you, if you don't ever brush your teeth wrong, you don't know how to do it right. So it, it's, it's <laughs> That's it's, it's a cool. very good
0: point. I like that. I really, <laughs> it's, really it's, like
1: that. <laughs> it's, I, I just, I end, I end up loving the answer to those questions just because yeah. there's always a different way to think about it. There's always a different story behind why and uh it's just fun fun cool stuff so yeah well yes anybody else out there listening on instagram please hit us up look at our link tree on the bio there we have a whole bunch of different links uh our our email of course is the diving pod at gmail.com uh enter coupon code dive pod at checkout on Cowing robards that gets you fifteen dollars off Uh, and free shipping for any t-shirt or hoodie you might place on that online order so once again nate i just wanted to say thank you um i haven't had a whole ton of conversations with you just in passing you know seeing each other at St. cloud but uh this was really really fun really enjoyable cool to hear your story and um i appreciate everything you've done
0: yes man i i really am grateful that you guys reached out to me it's been a lot of fun we should definitely do it again
1: absolutely well very good we will see you next time